any you 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 can't pay for anything. Just say it. Just fucking say it. I'm a loser. I'm a huge fucking loser. Say it. Say it. You don't think I was counting down the days until you figured it out? Why didn't you tell me that you had no house? I don't know. Maybe I wasn't that excited to tell my beautiful, cute, smart 21-year-old girlfriend that I'm a 33-year-old homeless guy whose one valuable possession in this world is a signed picture of Andy Kaufman. I'm a fucking loser in a lot of ways, Shoshana. You know that? Like, what makes me worth dating? You know? What makes me worth fucking anything? I'm falling in love with you. It's a crazy thing for you to say. Way too early for you to say something like that. Way too early. It's not something that's... I'm, so, I'm sorry. I love you so fucking much. Hello, and actually welcome to an episode of Girls, Girls... <laughs> Season two is off to a raring start. Um, I am one of your hosts, Rourke, here with Sarah Beth, and she's actually here this time. This is not a fake intro. Sarah Beth, how is Las Vegas? Oh, my God. I was there for work, and so it wasn't a joyous time. And I forget every time that I've been there until I arrive that they still smoke in Las Vegas. So inside. And so I think I've taken a good six months off my lung capacity just by breathing in the casino. But um, it was good. It was for work. Uh, Not much else to say. (laughs) Fair enough. Thank you for this boots on the ground report of Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Reporting live from the strip. Uh, Okay, well, very good. So I'm glad I'm very glad to be back. This is a this is a happy part of my week when we do this. And today we were talking about season two, episode four. And that episode is called It's a Shame About Ray. How would you describe? Give me your little Max description. Is it if you were the Max writer? My description would be Shoshana comes to a shocking revelation. And the cost of divorce is $30,000. (laughs) 11.5. I would say a tale of two dinner parties. It was the worst of times on both counts. It was the worst of times. It was also the worst of times. Yeah. However, I just want to say, I was thinking the whole time, I, I love this episode. I think it's really funny. I think it's very well written. And I think it tells us some important things about a variety of the characters. I really liked it. And stay with me here. This is why I really like The Housewives. That to me, this is a scripted version of one of the many famous dinner, like Housewives dinner, dinners from hell. Where mm. it's these dinner parties that just go south in such a cra- in such a way that this 
I think it really captures the beats of that where it always, it always starts with kind of an inappropriate conversation, the way that they talk about, they're like, you know, talking about butt plugs. Like it always starts with something kind of innocuous and then one person is offended and then a secret comes out and then the alliances show. And then you said this about me two weeks ago. And it's, this is, you can't script because this is not as good as the housewives. I'm sorry. It's not like you can't script, <laughs> you can't script the housewives. Oh my anyway. god. Anyway, what did you think of this episode? What's your review? I can't speak to the housewives except for season one of the Orange County one, because that is the only season I've ever watched. Strong, strong start. I mean, that's that's literally the OG. That's the first thing they ever made. Yes, indeed. Um, I liked it. I mean, I feel like it's gone on too long. Like I can't catch up. Anyway, back to girls. The reason yeah. we're here. I liked it, but I have a little bit of a different um experience than you because when I first watched it, I had so much secondhand embarrassment the entire time. I could not look at the screen. I was totally like, I cannot watch this. This is mortifying. And so because I basically couldn't watch it on the first rewatch, I had to force myself the second time to watch it again. And it got a little bit better. And then for tonight's uh, recording, I watched it a third time. And on the third time, I really enjoyed it because my anxiety levels were not spiking because I knew what was going to happen again. Well, you know, that famous office episode with Jan and Michael's dinner party, right? Mm -hmm. The one worth from hell, the dinner party from hell. Yeah, I think is it called like Michael and Jan's dinner party? Like what whatever the episode title is. It's notoriously one of the most kind of cr- like the peak cringe humor. This is to me, uh, the writers must have been inspired by Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Like that mm-hmm. must have been the kind of source material and they said how do we make that a 30-minute comedy? That I think so to me people often when I talk about not loving like cringe humor, People will often say, which episode of The Office do you find more unwatchable, Scott's Tots or The Dinner Party? And for me, it's Scott's Tots. I can't, I physically can't watch. First of all, take a step back. The Office is not my kind of rewatchable show of choice, but Mm -hmm. Scott's Tots is literally unwatchable for me. I don't remember that episode. I have watched The Office because uh, my husband really likes it. I like it ish i didn't really enjoy it i think to your point because of like the cringe humor yeah and girls is a little different because i do feel like while it is cringy i do feel it is wittier and more intelligently written than the office the office is kind of network tv at its best but um yeah so the episode begins with elijah moving out and i found this little tete-a-tete pretty funny and frankly if we're keeping score i think hannah wins this round the power move of sitting on a chair without underwear i think is the is the winner yeah and then she's she's keeping everything because george told her that she could keep whatever he paid for which is everything (laughs) which elijah (laughs) readily admits to his credit and then they sort of do this little like scorekeeping challenge of who paid for more in their friendship. And that's sort of the funny moments of it where I like that he recounts paying for all of her burritos. And one of the add-ons was pecans. (laughs) Such a weird combo. Have you ever added a pecan to a burrito? I have not. (laughs) I wonder, do you think it was, you know how like 
a really popular, the, a popular sweet green salad is the harvest bowl. I wonder if it was like mm-hmm. a wrap. Cause that would, yeah, I, I'm, you know what? I'm sure it's not that bad. Yeah. It probably, I think calling it a burrito might be the, it was probably a wrap. That's true. There is a very distinct mental model for a burrito versus a wrap. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Are you an add-on person or do you take the do you take the base model when you order things? I mean, in this economy, base, but in in my desires, I am an add-on girl. I always try to bring my own premiums. <laughs> and so I will go to Sweet Green with my own chicken and avocado. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't I don't think I've done that, but I admire the effort. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um and the so the the part of this conversation that I want to kind of talk about is some people are meant to stay in the past. I made a mistake trying to repurpose you. Mm. Do you agree with the premise that some people are meant to stay in the past? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to, especially if you take like romantic relationships into things. I feel more than even romantic relationships because that's like an open shut case for me. Like you're not going to find a lot of people arguing the other way. I think friendships have a time and a place in your life and some cannot be carried over. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Um, And I think that like, I don't know, I think women aren't necessarily, I think actually men are better at that than women. Like I was talking to my dad once about you know, his friendships in his twenties and thirties. And he was saying how he just had sort of different categories of friends. And I see this with my guy friends where two of my guy friends get together to play board games, but the other guys like wouldn't want to do that. And then that same guy who can play board games with this one guy will then play tennis with this other guy. And that's their little thing. And men, I think can sometimes have these like cabin relationships and not see any deficit in that, that that is a really fill like that's a really fulfilling or full relationship for them. Whereas I think women often want their female friendships to be kind of everything to them. And that can make it, I think hard for me, at least I don't want to generalize, I suppose it can make it hard for me to kind of walk away from relationships. Cause I think they're much more like intimately tied and it feels like a mm. bigger break than just like a, Oh yeah. Like I kind of faded out from tennis and Oh shit, I guess I like shit. I haven't talked to Eric in a while. Yeah, I feel similarly. I I think like women have a tendency to search for deeper fulfillment in a lot of stuff that men just like don't care about. That's a gross generalization, but (laughs) (laughs) I like it. And so I think where Hannah is just a gradation on her analysis here of the I made a mistake trying to repurpose you is I actually think things can be repurposed and salvaged where sometimes a person cannot be what they've been to you. But like if you are willing to accept and you get joy out of a smaller part of them or a different part of them than you used to expect, that can work. Yeah, I think that's totally true. I mean, think about how it, I think it's more about how you approach them, right? Like if you, are okay with doing things for someone and not expecting anything in return, then that has value in it of itself. You don't need everyone to mean everything to you all the time. Yeah. And I think that's just a good lesson that you learn as you get older and you have less time to do everything with everyone. So truly. So they have for at least the time being severed, divorced as Hannah puts it, but he's not paying the rent. 
Yeah, which is like, that's a good, you know, like I said, I do think Hannah wins this round of the repartee, but I think that the not paying rent is a pretty good, pretty good trump card. So sticking with sticking with Hannah, the next time we see her, she is wearing an apron that says this mama cooks. <laughs> do we think Hannah cooks? No. Yeah, no shot. And she's making the notoriously like expensive meal, expensive cheat meal to put together, which is pad thai. Why would she? Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Why in the hell would she make a very complex, like to build Thai flavors is very difficult. Why would she do this? I think that's part of the joke, but also she's delusional. So that's our answer. (laughs) That's a good point. She probably, she probably believes she can do this. Yeah. She can't do this. No. And then she paired it with a bunt cake, which is crazy. Really strange uh, pairing. Yes. Yeah. Although, are you familiar with the, are you familiar with the chain Nothing Bunt Cake? No. What is that? So, I have learned about it because there is one near my parents, but ever since, I have, without trying to seek it out, because I can't even eat it, other people have mentioned, like, how it's like the best fucking thing ever. People are obsessed with these butt cakes. It's just to me like the worst part of the cake. I'm with you. In theory, though, just thinking about the science of it, in theory, it should be better because heat is like conducting in a more even pattern than like the cake. Like think about a cake in the dead center of the pan to re- for the heat to reach that is a lot harder. I don't know. This is stupid. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like the best part of the cake for me is like the fillings, the difference with the frosting and the actual cake. And then you get like a fruit or a chocolate filling in the middle. Like that's the best part, how it mixes together. The cake itself is like, ugh, whatever. Oh, see, I like just cake. Like I don't like frosting. Frosting itself is kind of gross when you think about it. It's just like butter and sugar. Yeah. But it's delicious. I don't know. Bunk, so, bunk, bunt. A bunt? There's a hole in this cake. <laughs> What's that from? Do you know what that's from? No. It's my big fat Greek wedding. Oh, great. God. There's a hole in this movie. cake. I love that movie. Dinner party. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So, Charlie and Aubrey are already there. Why in the hell did she invite them? Because Hannah likes to stir shit up. I mean, there's no reason to invite this random uh, chili enthusiast to the party and she's starting her own mustard line which is interesting yeah so to me this speaks of i feel like i remember in my 20s wanting to be this host like wanting to Mm. i'm gonna host a dinner party and you feel like you probably don't know like to me in my head i have this like vision of what that looks like and kind of how many people are around the table and it's this, you know, it, I have this very kind of like Pinteresty view of like what this looks like. And I could mm-hmm. see her thinking, well, a dinner party has to have this many people and I'm a little short. So we're going to reach out to old Charlie and Aubrey or Audrey. Sorry. Yes. I, I mean, yeah, it's fun to be a host, but like, mm-hmm. not like this, not with like toxic combinations of people. Yeah. I mean, or, if you're team chaos. That's true. Yeah. I, I take it back. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, actually, I'd like to be at this dinner party. Marnie obviously arrives and 
Audrey is understand. I wrote Aubrey in my notes and that's why I keep pausing. Cause I'm like, this is fucking idiot. That's not right. She immediately turns to Charlie and says, and says, I thought she wasn't coming. There's been uh, allegedly Hannah, you know, Hannah claims that it was a pity invite and that she expected Marnie to say no, because they're not even on speaking terms. And there's a very funny, I, I really liked this moment where Hannah is saying to them, don't go. And they're like, no, 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 we insist. We're like, we're just going to, this is so uncomfortable. We're going to go. She's like, don't go, don't go, don't go. If anything, she should go. Marnie says, I'll oh go. God. And then she says, no, <laughs> nobody go. <laughs> Everybody stay. <laughs> oh, you know, I really do feel for Marnie in this scene because she's really taken aback. And I'm on team Marnie for this because who would invite the random girl you don't even know? And then the your best friend's ex-boyfriend after it was a messy breakup. Like this is an unhinged invite from Hannah. It really is. You're right. That said, Marnie loses a lot of credibility for me when the kiss happens and then she's like, I'm seeing someone. Oh, well, you know, three steps forward, five steps back. I mean, we never really get any satisfying forward growth momentum from any of these characters. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be expecting too much. I actually, you know what? I would like to, at the end of season two, let's have like a, how have they grown? What has happened? A progress report. Yeah. 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 I like that. Like let's grade their growth. Let's end of year review. Who, mm. how shall we stack rank them? A three, a 360 review. <laughs> Upward. I, downward. I do want to say about Audrey. I, I don't feel like I get her in this. I've been the person who's been kind of put in a really awkward situation and I'm just expected to like be the bigger person. And then everything like that, the fraud in front of you is doing is just like needling you to react. And so I kind of felt bad for her. And then to boot, her stupid boyfriend follows his ex on the roof. It just doesn't make sense. So like, I get it when she's like, you know, taking jabs and saying like, oh, what kind of hostess for slam poetry? No, bitch. We all know what kind of hostess she's talking about. Yeah, that was a good poetry moment. I, to your point uh, about the, I dated somebody in, I dated somebody in college who had been dating somebody very seriously before me. And when she broke up with him, she like fully did not, she never texted him. She was really out of the picture. And then she caught wind that he had started dating somebody. And all of a sudden she started texting him again. You know, she would text him Mm. like, have fun at Rourke's, you know, sorority date party tonight. And yeah. And so just sort of planting her, like, had no intention of getting back together with him. That's not what she wanted. She just wanted to send some sort of reminder of like, hi, I still exist. It's like a sabotage. Yeah. And it was really frustrating because it like, that was frankly, ultimately, I mean, it just sort of revealed what was already there. I'm sure he was not fully recovered from Mm -hmm. that. And so that it accelerated that realization probably and fine. But I remember being like really annoyed, but like not really knowing how to like get at, like set that back. Like I didn't know what to do. Cause like he, I, I would have had to say like block her. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Because you look like a crazy psycho. If you try to say anything about it, cause, cause it's like little out. innocuous things, Yeah, but it's not because we know what it means. Exactly. 
Yes. There was this guy I was kind of being like friendly and we're kind of date. Not really. Nothing really. It was like many things in my life. It was a big fat nothing. <laughs> but Sarah. we were kind of like hanging out and stuff. And then this girl who I was kind of friendly with and I have nothing against her. She then started to like hang out and it became like a threesome where she would always be around. And I was like, okay, well, I relinquish this round because no man is worth this amount of trouble. Yeah. And then I started hanging out with someone else in this like same big, big ass like activity friend circle. And then she did the same thing with this guy. And I'm like, what is she doing? Are and you serious? I just gave up on both. Yeah. Cause I was like, I can't deal with this. This is, that's crazy. This- And I don't think she knew she was doing it, but I do think there was a little bit of inherent competition. And I don't even think it was conscious because I just think she thought maybe based on we had similar like body types and she felt insecure. I mean, I certainly was insecure. I don't know. I'm totally projecting and this could totally not be what it is, but I think it was related to that. That's wild and weird. Weird, it's, right? Yeah, it's stalker behavior, as they say about Marnie. Well, obviously, it made an impression on me. I still think about it, even though, like, here we are, and those were two nothing things. But anyway, I never forget someone who's wronged me. <laughs> okay, this is a warning. <laughs> a warning to all of those. Yeah. You're getting added to the list. But yeah, so Audrey reveals she's making her own mustard. Mm-hmm. And I feel like hannah's being a little it's almost the opposite of she doth protest too much where she's being a little Mm -hmm. too adulating and you know says marnie she's making mustard and what are we doing with our lives um (laughs) and i felt that that was sort of a little dig and i actually i did like i felt that you know how if you recall audrey said to marnie actually are you one of the real housewives i did like i i felt like marnie's where do you get your headbands dig was a nice sparring nothing was said but a lot was said exactly in those yeah exactly yeah that felt i don't know the fencing terms but it felt like a a good parry parry yeah i will say i have made my own mustard and it is not that hard and quite delicious well then highly recommend start your own company and then come back to me <laughs> that is sweet okay. and spicy sweet and spicy it sounded like a sour patch kids ad you know she burns the food Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Because we did not expect that to go well. I will say I've made Thai food before from the Night and Market cookbook. And it's one of those where it was really fun. Like I love a project and I went to a Thai grocery store and got a bunch of fun ingredients and like had a good time with it. But it's one of those that is one of those annoying cookbooks that sort of deceives you where it looks like four ingredients, but it's actually like sauce. See page 54. And then mm. page 54 is like a 20 thing complex. Anyway. Asian cuisine is one of those things where you think it's easy and then you look at the preparation and the skill required behind it. And it is so incredibly complex and highly skilled. Yes. And so, yeah, this is just a terrible, terrible. She's way overshot her abilities here. It seems that everyone they don't really deal with the fact that the food is probably a disaster, but she does say noodles are so hard to make, (laughs) which no, ironically isn't, but that's what's funny is that statement is 
pad thai is hard to make. And if she had just set out to make noodles, I actually think she could have succeeded. <laughs> but anyway, like I said, they sort of have this, this kind of innocuous, but sexually charged conversation is what kind of leads things into a bad place where Hannah says About that she's plugs. Yeah. Marnie says one of those sort of obvious statements and Hannah calls it out that I'm just willing to like, as long as everyone is like consenting and happy and Hannah's like, no fucking duh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which fair point. And Hannah says, I just think that I'm willing to do a lot more than you. But the one thing I'll never do again is butt plugs. And Marnie says, Mm. even she has her limits. I believe that Shoshana doesn't know what this is. Oh, yeah. This works for me on a character level. Yes. Oh, wait, I skipped over Shoshana's arrival, which I really like. Oh, that was funny, too. It was really precious. And I like how she apologizes for lying. (laughs) Roy, Ray, Roy, Ray was like, we're all adults. We're late because we had sex. (laughs) She goes, and I just lied to you all. (laughs) And I think that like. She really does. It's funny. She has, it's like, it's like we said about the wearing white at Jess's wedding, even though it was unintentional, that she has a real sense of what is like right and wrong and appropriate. And, you know, I'm not saying she always gets it right, but she is at least a character that seems to be kind of aware of that. And I actually think that that is something that kind of pervades her arc in this episode with Ray, which is like, this isn't how you move in with someone. You, you know, you make that decision actively. You call and ask for advice about living with a man. And like, this is not, this is not the way. And so I I think that that's something critical about her character. I thought exactly about that thing you said about the white dress and her kind of moral compass and how she's really tuned into like social norms that matter to her. And the moving in thing was interesting, firstly, because it was really funny how they revealed it in the conversation. Yeah. And then you really see like what bothers her the most is that she was robbed of this moment that she sees as like a step, an ongoing step towards growing up. Yeah. And she kind of just fell into it. And that bothers her just like she fell into attending a wedding in a wedding dress. Yes. But not a wedding dress. Anyway. No, I think that that's really true. And I think that, you know, I think we've talked about this on this podcast before that I I joke that, and I'm speaking to somebody who has run a marathon, but I think adults run marathons because we inherently have a desire to set goals. And once we kind of graduate from our last set of school that we want to accomplish, it can be really, really hard to have discrete goals in life. And it's the crisis goal to run a marathon. Exactly. I know this is not your larger point, but to interject. No, that's part of my point. And that, you know, there's something we enjoy understanding sort of milestones, steps, goals, and I think a lot of those are, sorry, now I'm on a tangent. A lot of those are interpersonal and, you Mm. know, something that like I think about is sort of what I've, the stuff that I've like celebrated for my friends that right now is a very unbalanced scorecard. And Mm -hmm. I think that to your point, 
I mean, she and Ray are kind of like, and then the way they say, I love you at the, at the end, like they're, they're hitting these, he kind of makes the point that they're hitting these milestones in like a funny, odd pace and in their own way, which isn't necessarily wrong, but it does defy her kind of like order of things. Yeah. That kind of resonates with me too, because I feel like we're told as women that there are certain milestones in our life that happen at a distinct velocity and pace in our lives. And that's typically not how it happens in real life. There are plenty of people who have become engaged because their partner asked the father for permission, surprised her in the park. There's a photographer in the bushes, down on one knee, all that stuff. And there's plenty of people who um, just were like, okay, let's do it. And then... That's it. There's no engagement ring. There's nothing. So, you know, like we're taught that it has to be one way, but it's not really one way at all. And I think she's like 21, right? So she's still in the zone of having these expectations. Yeah. No, I think that's very, I think that's a very, very good point and actually is in some ways a summary of like the show as a whole, which is that I think when we come out of, college, we have a vision of how things are going to look. And maybe even before that too, we have a vision of what our life is going to look like. And I actually think Marnie says this where she's like, I just kind of like, I don't know what tomorrow, like what next week is going to look like. And I kind of wish somebody would tell you, here's what you have to do every day. And like, here's what your life is going to look like. And like, I, I just have this sort of ambiguity right now that feels really scary. And I think that's a very deeply relatable feeling. Yes. So the, yeah. Wow. Okay. The butt plug sparks the butthole conversation. (laughs) Well, my mom's going to love this episode. And uh, seemingly that word for Marnie is moist for other people. Is that a bothersome word to you? I mean, I don't enjoy it, but it's not like I'm gonna like freak out if someone says it. Yeah. Same. I really don't like the word couch. Mm. Hmm. For sofa. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What about chaise? Oh, that's fine. There's something something about the CH. I don't know. I just don't like it. Anyway, Ray puts this sort of, it's, it's obviously not, I'm going to use the word Oedipal. It's obviously not because that's not the setup here, but he has this sort of Freudian sublimation theory about why Marnie is actually bothered. And it's that, she no longer has access to Charlie's bottle because it's guarded. I think there's something to it, though. <laughs> he's he's, <laughs> he's not, wrong. not wrong. Yeah, he's not wrong. Um, where I do think, and I think Charlie sort of says it, that like their lives for so long and for such a formative period were intertwined. Where I don't know it. I don't know if you feel this way because I, I I know you have a lot of really good friends from high school, but I think that for a time, like a friend of mine recently was talking about a very good friend of hers. They've known each other for so long at this point that like that history is what their friendship is based on. But if they met Mm -hmm. today, they would like never be friends. I think that probably Charlie and Marnie would never get into a relationship today, Mm -hmm. but so much of their kind of formative experience and their formative, like love experience, like learning what it was like to be in a relationship is together that I do think that that is a, that's a really hard relationship to quit. Like they absolutely should not be hanging out at all. 
I think that makes sense. It makes sense why they're kind of on again, off again, messy. Yeah. I think for me, like I never had like a, and I know we've like kind of talked about this with like your relationship trajectory. Like I never had like a first love that I like really pined for or like felt so connected to never really happened for me. No, I've never pined for anyone. (laughs) You're like, fuck no. Jesus. (laughs) I don't know. I like, I, I kind of feel like I missed out. I never had that experience. Like in high school, I never dated anyone. Hell, even in college, I never dated anyone really. And I never had like a messy twenties era. I totally skipped all these things. And I kind of feel like, well, fuck now it's too late. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't that's wanna... a whole experience I never had. <laughs> I mean, if the Golden Bachelor has taught us anything and like, I don't want to prognosticate, you know, anything bad happening for, for you or Yen. But if the, if the Golden Bachelor has taught us anything, it's that life has many chapters. And who knows? <laughs> that's true. <sighs> Look out, Gary, or whatever, however they say his weird name. I think it is Gary. It's not Jerry. No, Gary. it's it's definitely Gary, but it's spelled G-E-R-R-Y. Ugh, this is like that tells me everything I need to know about that man. I like how annoying him. That I think is. he's very pure. Okay. I know that the hit pieces come out, but like whatever. I just don't care. <laughs> well, n- there's always going to have to be some grace given to the personalities on a bachelor show. So yeah, exactly. So then I think one of the the funnier lines uh, that happens. So I, you know, good on Charlie actually for it comes out that he has told Audrey about Marnie showing up on the doorstep very sad, looking for a place to sleep. I think that was the right thing to do. Marnie retorts back. He didn't have to let me in. And Audrey says, but my, like, who's going to turn away a crying girl? He probably thought you would have gone to slit your wrists. And Hannah says, she's too involved. She's too self-involved to commit suicide. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. You know what? Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. Point to Audrey. Like, which person is going to turn someone away who came like hysterical to their door in the middle of the night? Yeah. Yeah. No, it would, that would have been, cause the thing is like, it's actually really tough to say. So if you are dating somebody who has this ex and she shows up distraught on his doorstep, who do you want the guy you're dating to be? The one that like takes her in or sends her away. I want the guy I'm dating to be the one that lets her into the home and then proceeds to call me and say, come here now. Yes. Yes. I think that's the correct answer. You've got to like reach out immediately and say, you're like, Hey, this bitch is here. You got to come here. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Where I, I wonder if he left out that and Marnie doesn't throw it in her face. Cause didn't they kind of like cuddle or they snuggled? Yeah. Yeah. So not appropriate. He has a bunk bed. He could have slept on the top bunk. Yeah. Fair enough. But no one ever gets on that top bunk because we've established. No, never. Maybe it's not structurally sound. You literally just stole the words from my mouth. I was absolutely about <laughs> to have that same speculation. Um, and then I love the, they're now having the inverse argument of mm-hmm. somebody that it started with, I should go. If anybody goes, I should go. And now it's, you should leave. No, you should leave. And she says, nobody's leaving. <laughs> <laughs> And so I just love how they did that with like the, the kind of like inverse fight um, where f- first they were both willing to go and now they're insisting the other leave. And Hannah takes a crazy cowardly p- decision and says, Charlie can pick. <laughs> I'm so 
sorry. It's so psychotic. That's my, that might be, oh, it's hard to say, but I'm going to go with that as my cuckoo bananas. Making the man pick between his ex and his current girlfriend is incredible. Oh my God. <sighs> sorry. That is really I just sad. think the whole situation is nutty. And then like, like Charlie and Marnie having their little tete-a-tete on the roof and he just goes in for the kiss and it's like, well, he doesn't care about his girlfriend at all. And he's a big fat faker. Yes. And okay. So let's get to that. So I, I also did really like, um, we've talked a little bit about the Shoshana, um, and Ray discovering that they're living together. I loved when Shoshana is like still in her kind of shell shock. And mm-hmm. he, I think says like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And Audrey says he didn't just go to the bathroom and Shoshana goes, that I, well, that is the front door. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so he goes up to the roof and that, you know, she, he kisses her, which was in a, was obviously wrong. And she pulls away to say, I'm seeing someone. And the reality is, I'm sorry. She's not seeing somebody, you know? Like that guy's not seeing her. Well, yeah, he's definitely not committed. Let me put it that way. Um, I couldn't tell if there was some time between this episode and the last one, or if they had just like only slept together for like a night. But I think there's a little time because by this point, like Hannah has sold an article there. She's cashed the check. Like, so like Mm -hmm. enough time has passed for that to progress. Do we think it's the, I did cocaine article. (laughs) It definitely is something about cocaine. Yeah. But yeah, it is weird for her to like, then be on this high horse about I'm seeing someone. And really, it just, to me, it's more, it's, that just, it's, Marnie is just all about control. Where she then can wrest control of the situation where she feel, she now feels powerful doubly because Charlie is making a move on her in violation, proving that she is more, desirable, valuable, what like, you know, to him Mm -hmm. than Audrey. So she's proven her dominance over Audrey. And then she gets to prove her dominance over Charlie by pulling back, which is so fucked. Yeah, it is. And so then he comes down and, oh, I do want to highlight him calling um, Booth Jonathan that little Ewok in Capri pants. And Marnie says he isn't, what did she say? He's a a excellent established. He's a brilliant like artist. And he is of of average average height. height. (laughs) (laughs) No, he is not darling. He is most certainly not. Marnie, I guess leaves from the roof. Cause I don't think she comes back just. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just Charlie comes back and he's fuming and you know kind of throwing stones now that he's been rejected and says Marnie's like a stalker she drives out my sweet sweet girlfriend my sweet 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 girlfriend and then he kind of i think i think he did a nice job acting this where he kind of struggles with it a little bit but then he, and then he calls her the c word yeah and i did like the kind of easy moment but i liked the um it's him asking where Aubrey is. And they're like, what do you think, dude? And he says, is she pissed? And they're like, that you fall? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Hannah calls him out and says, you're a jerk. You know what type of year she's had. It's been through with you. Like you broke up with her. Dad lost his job. She lost her job. She's like going through all this stuff, like leave her alone. And then he says, what are you talking about? I thought you weren't taught. Like, I thought you would be aligned with me in this sort of enemy 
of an enemy is my friend type thing. And she confirms that, yes, she and Marnie are not speaking and has this kind of laundry list of reasons why. One of which is that she slept with a gay man. And when he asks who, she says, that is none of your concern. <laughs> and it's the, and he asks, I thought you weren't even talking to her. And she says, I'm not because she's a jerk, too. Are all these characters jerks? Yeah, they are. But I, I love that, like, even though she's not talking to Marty and their relationship is fractured, like, she has her back, yeah. even though she did put her in the line of fire, she eventually did, like, shield her a little bit. Totally. I thought this was a really, like, in a weird way, this was really good friend behavior. Mm-hmm. And shows, in a in a weird way... A kind of advanced, like, cognitive function on Hannah's part in the sense, like, or a high EQ in the sense that, like, so much of therapy work is often, like, learning to hold two things as true at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think Hannah can really hold that right now is a nadir for her and Marnie, that this is a bad phase in their friendship where they are not close or trusting each other or, you know, finding much common ground in that friendship. And yet she can, Hannah can also say, and she is this really value. Like she has been with me for a very long time. I still owe her this loyalty and I need to call out, call this out when I'm seeing it and defend her when I think she's being wronged though. I can also acknowledge that she's a jerk. And so I, th- I don't know. It's, yeah. like, it, it's actually kind of impressive. I feel like Hannah is really doing well in this episode because she is all vibes no neuroses yeah she and gets so, to take a nice almost backseat in this episode it highlights like the reason that they are kind of friends with hannah because she can be a fun good friend kinda i don't know yeah i mean the the bar is kind of low exactly but anyway yeah and i think none you know none of these people are winning any awards no that's the end. That's the end of the dinner party. Cause the next we see of Hannah, she's in the bath. Mm-hmm. But what we need to end with, um, Shoshana and Ray waiting for the Bedford. Oh, duh. oh my God. Of course. Yes. So they're waiting for the subway and it's such an odd sweet. It's both kind of like sad and sweet. And it's like a little bit of this like reckoning where I don't know. Maybe I think I'm like probably imbuing it with too much feeling in my thirties of this feels to me like conversations I've had with exes before where we have really deep feelings for each other. And yet, like, I very much believe like love is not enough that you can love somebody a lot. And yet that actually doesn't cover for certain deficits. And Mm -hmm. I have felt before in relationships, like we have a conversation where I'm like, oh, we've kind of just acknowledged that this isn't going to work. I feel the exact same way about this conversation. They they say they love each other, but the way it's done, it's with his realization that he, in his own words, that he's like a loser. Yeah. And you realize like, oh, this relationship won't last. Yeah. It, this is like the beginning of the end. Yes. Yeah, it's really a bittersweet interaction. Yeah, it's just really tough, frankly, where because she's right, like he should have his shit more together, frankly. And, you know, I don't think it's fair exactly for her to say that, like, 
she has an apartment when she lives in her aunt's place that happens to be vacant. I know. I mean, it's not like she earned that apartment, but regardless. Regardless, I think her point stands. And it's funny that she kind of comes to this theoretically correct conclusion that they're probably not the right fit. But like, it's for these kind of funny little childlike reasons where she's like, you're a big boy. You should have house. Like, like, and it, it actually gets back to the kind of milestone conversation we've been having where like, he is of a certain age where we have a certain expectation that this is your earning potential at age 36 and you should be in an apartment and have things like a life outside. You don't, shouldn't just ha- go to work. You should have a life outside of work. Like, and it, it is imbued with a lot of that. Actually, I didn't even think of that the first time, but now that we've kind of talked about it. Yeah. Although I also feel bad for Ray because I do think like many of us fall into this trap of like, you go to work, you come home, like how, how often do you hear about people like losing their passions and their hobbies and stuff as they get older, you just have less and less energy for them. Mm -hmm. No, a hundred percent. And that's why like, honestly, that's why I like doing this. That's why I do enjoy like having the dog, like that type of stuff. And I mean, I think I get the impression Ray like reads a lot. Um, and I don't want to discount, you know, kind of something like that as a leg- perfectly legitimate. No, hobby. reading is an, is a hobby because it takes up a lot of it time. Does. And I want to read, like I used to read so much and now I feel like the brain, the phone has destroyed my brain. I cannot focus on anything anymore and I need to unplug. My problem is all I do is read for work. Mm. And so I read for pleasure on vacation a bunch. Like I always like, just mow through books on vacation, but it's really hard for me to read for pleasure as like a part of a day. Mm. I feel like it's for me, it's my attention span. I just cannot focus anymore. Yeah. Did you read, have we talked about this? Did you read tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow? Um, I've read half of it. It's really good. I like you should it. finish it. I loved it. I know I, 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 so this is the thing. I really do love it, but I I'm always reading it in spurts because I like, it's like anything else. It's on the train a little bit, or I'm on a plane and I, I, yeah, it's just like, I think, I think the key is like the phone is killing us and I need to get away from it. Good, 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 good conclusion. I support it. It's killing us. I'm becoming dumber. Yeah, it's it's 10 p.m. Do you know where your <laughs> Do you know where your brain yeah. cells are? <laughs> I introduced uh, I introduced this guy to connections. Um, by the way, oh, love connections. It makes me feel on top of the world and dumb as a brain. Yeah, I had a bad I had a bad run the other day, but um, it's cute. We like send each other how we did every day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is this a uh, friend or other? This is a more than friend. <laughs> Nice. Anyway, we'll see. So, yeah. So we leave Ray and Shoshana in an interesting place where it's funny to leave characters who just said, I love you, where I am unsure if next episode they will be together or broken up. Totally. We shall see. I genuinely don't know. Mm. (laughs) Okay. Let's switch to Jessa because this is the episode we've been waiting for. (laughs) Oh my God. Can't wait. Love it. I do think this was a little bit, this was a little bit, is like hacky the right word in the sense that like, I feel like this is done a lot where it's like the parents are the opposite of the spouse and they hate them and like chaos ensues. Like I get it. 
it's done well, but it's a, it's just like a trope that I, it's totally a trope that's tired, but it's effective because it's a real life trope. It is. Yeah, it is. And I actually, I actually, I watched the episode with Erica and, um, cause she's been staying at my house while I've been in trial. She's been hanging with mango. Um, I watched the episode with her the other night and she made, I think a really, you know, the, sorry, I'm not moving chronologically, but she made what I thought was a really smart and interesting point, which is that the mom, you know, you're kind of waiting for the, the ultimate, you're like waiting for the button, the mom to put the button on it where she's, the mom seems to be kind of trying and holding it together for a little bit. And then you're like, Oh, there we go. And she made a really good point, which is that no one, this is never said in the episode and it's never revealed. So we don't know for sure, but I would venture that that woman married the man for money. Cause interestingly, she never says what she does for work where she speaks very importantly about this ex Fern and, you know, the other women that her son has dated, but she doesn't talk about like, Oh, and I did this and like was therefore such a good role model or like showed partnership or like whatever. And so to me, it's like a little bit of the person who is it is able to recognize it in others the fastest. Yeah. Or the, I think the that's first to probably call it out. true. Yeah. And so I thought that was an interesting, interesting point that it's like a little, a little pot kettle going back for a second. We see Thomas, John and Jessa in their high rise. She's sorting flowers and he's giving instructions to his dad. Do you think, do you think they were going to Peter Luger? Was that the idea? I think so. I mean, it wasn't inside. Like that didn't look like Peter Luger, but I think that's, it's meant to be like that kind of steakhouse. Yeah, because it was in Brooklyn. Like they had, the, they clearly had it in happening in Brooklyn. Anyway, whatever. The, this show is the kind of this show is pretty different from Sex and the City in that it doesn't name drop anything. Mm-hmm. And I actually, in a way, I think that's smart because it's very unmoored in time. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's funny to see in Sex and the City them kind of name check things that are all totally real and just you know shuddered for years. Um, totally, but. Yeah. Well, that's something we were, I was taught in like a fiction writing class in college is that like whenever possible, don't actually include any like name brand or like restaurant or anything real. Cause it will just make you seem totally out of, t- out, like out of step once, whenever it sees the light of day yeah. and it, you're better off just like trying to make it a little bit more in the fictional world. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Creatively a good decision. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessa does not want to go to this dinner because she only eats meat when she's menstruating. And I will say Thomas John, like until the end kind of came off. Well, I thought he was like being pretty supportive in like a crazy way, but they seem like they were on the same page. And it's like sh- he, when he was with Jessa, he was in like a fever dream. And then his mom's kind of snaps him out of it. Yes, totally agree. He, in a f- I thought this was quite funny. He goes back to her. I'm sure you'll find like a, a delicate way of explaining that to them <laughs> or whatever he said. And um, then she, you know, proffers her breast and they get distracted and are late to dinner. That to me is a weird cuckoo bananas moment that like, instead of like, I, I just don't know what she's doing. Like, is the breast an attempt to just make him not go to dinner with the parents because she knows it's going to go poorly is that what it is i think so yeah like 
how about we just stay home and do this and not go to dinner? I guess this whole interaction with the parents is kind of bananas to me, but very. The dad is obviously hilarious. And it's, you know, another classic example of like her currency being her ability to charm men. The mother just sort of like increasingly turns up the heat. But I also think that Jessa is being both herself and kind of intentionally provocative. Yes, she's doing everything on purpose. She knows what she's saying. Yeah. I did think the dad was really funny about heroin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but then they like did a joke over it. But like, that's the revelation that she dropped out of college to go to rehab for heroin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So she says she went to Oberlin for seven months, but she had to leave to go to rehab. And the dad says, you're back on the drink again. That's great. (laughs) That was crazy to me. Who says that? No, he literally was. Have you seen the movie airplane? Yes. I would actually not be surprised if they modeled his little interjections on, you know, how the pilot is like, have you ever stood naked in a men's locker room? Has a man ever touched you? Exactly. Or whatever. Do you like gladiator movies? (laughs) Because what made me just think of it was him saying his favorite genre of movies is when schoolgirls fall in love. (laughs) I bet you're right that it's one of those like inside jokes. Yeah. Oh, what's the, what's the one? It's like, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Yes, that is it. That is it. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, oh my God. So good. And so then the mom is obviously not enjoying that aspect of this dynamic either. And she has been, you know, like I said, kind of building to this for some time. And she then finally says like, well, isn't it lucky that you found yourself in such a successful situation? And Thomas, like I said, Thomas, John kind of, he defends her. Like he defends this decision and her and confirms that she has never done heroin in front of him. <laughs> Um, for as long as I've known her, which is not long, two months. months. (laughs) And they then go home and obviously things explode. And so it's interesting. He, it's interesting to me that he holds it together with his family and sort of, it's almost honorable in a way that he kind of like defends her in that moment. And then, you know, like things fall apart when they get back. And then he really fucking takes a turn. I, I was kind of like, coming around and being like, well, he's still a jerk, but I do think like to some degree he likes her a lot. And then they got home and I'm like, forget it. I, he, he's a piece of shit. Yep, exactly. No, I totally agree. I loved it when she sucker punches him. Yeah, that was good. And I, and I think her, so, oh, he says, oh, I hated this part. You know what I like about hookers? They respect me. And it's like, oh honey, no, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> The gay, the his apartment's like gay entourage. That was a great joke. <laughs> oh, and I don't think anyone will understand it unless they lived in that era of HBO programming. Oh, shit, you're like right. Entourage, the TV show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a good point. That's probably a dated reference now. Um, and then he says, how much will it take? She starts at 30. He whittles down to 10 and then she takes 11.5. And another thought here is that I don't think, I think the mom is wrong about Jessa. I don't think Jessa was in this for the money, but I do think at the end of the day, she's a hustler. And Mm -hmm. Erica was saying this as well, that like once the opportunity was on the table, she was like, okay, well now I'll fucking take it. Like if you're literally going to offer it, I'll see what I can get. And like, 
she's not a great negotiator. She goes from, she starts at 30, gets whittled down to 10 and then comes up one. So like, you're right. She doesn't care about the money and that's why she's not a good negotiator. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and I actually do think he fucking reads her at the end. I think he's absolutely right that at the end of the day, this is just going to be one in a collection of her crazy stories and that she just like destroys lives because she's bored. And I think that's what Catherine Hahn said to her. Further thoughts. Penny for your thoughts. And then she, and then she throws down this phallic glass trophy on the ground. The Humi. Yes. I'm a humanitarian. <laughs> um, and then she's out. And Hannah is. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say there was I. You saw me. I was on my phone. Um, I was looking up what the phrase was and I thought it was this. I couldn't remember. But deus es machina. Oh, yeah. Right. Like. Yeah, that's what the end of this relationship feels like, right? Like it was going to end and it's just kind of wrapped up and you don't really feel like I didn't I didn't feel like it built up to that because it was kind of just the parents coming to town. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It I wanted it to end and yet I this is kind of uh. By the way, I think you mean the denouement. Oh, do I? Yeah, like the peak of something, like the moment no, just like a plot device. I meant, I meant like the parents coming just ends their relationship. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. Like it was kind of like without the parents coming, it could keep like petering along. Yes. And they needed just this like random thing to come in and end it. Yes. And that's what happened. Yeah, you're right. God, what the hell is the name for that? I think it's Deus Es Machina. No, because that just means of the machine. That's like robots. No, I looked it up because I was like, is this the thing? I know it's that movie. Yeah. But no, God from the machine is a plot device where a seemingly unsolvable problem in the story is suddenly or roughly resolved by an unexpected and likely occurrence. Look at me. I had this limited view of it as robots. Not at all. <laughs> it is that robot. Thank movie, you. Okay. For sure. Yes. No, no, yes. But it, it Or wait, I thought anyway, that was just I, ex machina. No. <laughs> we sound just like in this that that would literally be the machine. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Oh my god, we're so, I, I'm so dumb. You're not dumb. We're intellectuals. Oh my god, this is so good. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Really, really intelligent people. People are listening, are going to listen and then like Um, scream into their podcasting device. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The, no, no, the ghost, uh, the ghost protocol is strong on this one. (laughs) Um, I did really love, um, Hannah singing Wonderwall alone in the bath. So I love this ending. I love this ending too. Although again, getting naked with a female friend in the bath is wild. Yeah, I wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't get for, forget like your friend. Like, I just feel like a bath is not the place to share. Yeah, this feels very reminiscent of the ending where Marnie comes back and they like dance together and then hug. Um, And this is sort of her version of it with Jessa. I mean, I think you're right. That's immediately what I thought. Like, I could see like why they're really close. Mm-hmm. But no, I found it, it. I thought it was very sweet. and cute i also like sip i think like we're all hannah in that moment because we're like Ugh. 
um when like she, she blew just, her nose into yeah that was fucking disgusting yeah it was gross and then even hannah's like i pee in the bathtub and even i think that's gross yeah. well so it's, it's like back to the butt plug thing it's like even she has boundaries <laughs> and i feel like it's really it's really weird i had a sense of like deja vu of that image of jessa laughing where mm-hmm. the camera's just on her and she has like her knees up and she's like kind of laid back. Like that image of her laughing, I feel like was in previews or like we've seen, like we've seen that somewhere where I like had this sense. I was like, Ooh, like spooky. I've seen that before. Well, this is one of the few times we see Jessa truly vulnerable. Like there's no guard up. She's really upset. And I, I don't like Jessa, but I feel for her. I do. I do think sh- the, actor did a good job in that moment like you really feel bad for her and i feel sorry for her and to me like i don't think i guess you know let me know what you think i on my end at least i did not see her tears as sadness at a marriage ending but just as this another like fucking thing that she has done another failed experiment totally agreed yeah and it's about her like just feeling empty Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Wonderwall. Anyway, Great here's song. Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> here's some copyrighted music. All right. Well, are we, I guess next, next episode is like halfway through the season. I know. I, I feel like it's been, um, this season's been weird because I, I do feel there's a little sophomore slump. Like where's your man, Adam? Yeah. Oh my God. Our boy. Maybe he's, he's healing yeah. slowly. Maybe he'll be back next episode. He has to recover from chasing that horse on the beach <laughs> and return. Did you send me know. that? I don't know what I'm saying. Did you send me that TikTok where he's being interviewed and the guy is like, yeah, like you're not really good looking. How is that? A- no. Have you seen that? Did I send that to you? Oh, yeah. I saw it, though. And he's like, uh, okay. Yeah. He's like, I look how I look. I don't know what you want me to say. And the guy's like, but if you had looked like Robert Redford, well, like, what do you think your career would look like? And he's like, what? Probably good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like what a weird thing to say, but something that women have had to deal with in interviews for E.O. Oh my God. So. Sarah Beth, do you know what next episode is? I think next episode we what? might need to bring in whoever wrote this email is going to be thrilled. I think we're going to need to bring in some external material for next episode. Cause it's the... It's the one where she shacks up with the guy. Oh, okay. and this is like I a notoriously hated episode. Patrick Wilson. Yeah. It's called one man's. Oh, Crash. I hate this episode. And actually speaking of emails, we actually got a couple. Um, we actually have quite a few. Oh, fuck. Um, okay. Well, we can't do this. Delinquent. Yeah. We've been delinquent. First of all, just like a really nice one that says, hi, Rourke and Sarah Beth, please forgive my poor attempt at coming up with a subject line. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've sent a non-work or per, or personal business related email in years. And I don't know what a subject line should be. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to write and let you know. Relatable. Yeah. I wanted to write and let you know how much I love your podcast. I started watching girls when I was in college and never knew anyone else to have seen it until just recently. And I binge listened to the first five episodes of yours before realizing, Oh shit, this is a recent podcast. And I was so excited to turn on my notifications for each Saturday moving forward. I love hearing you guys talk about the obvious girls, but also the tangential conversations about your lives and experiences and the occasional cinematic references. And she said she loved our wine tasting in Napa because she's a Northern California native and a huge fan. Oh my God. Should we hang out? I won't say her name in case she wants to remain private, but thank you. That's really nice. That's so nice. And then there is some, um, 
there's some questions that I think that are, we're about to come up on about like Hannah's OCD and a little bit of stuff about Booth Jonathan and whatnot. And so I think we can actually take those in turn. So great. Thank you guys. That's nice. Keep those coming. We have such thoughtful listeners. Yeah. It's really sweet. Even the one who gave us a one star and told us we didn't know enough about what we we're talking about. She did a lot of research in her writing. So I do feel yeah. like it was very thoughtful, yeah, yeah. even though she doesn't like it's us. Totally fine. I, I, I don't believe I don't need to be universally liked. I can live with that. No. And I, I think she thinks that we're making light, but I do want to make this point that I think it's really fun to be doing something where people are spending hours of their time, like listening and then watching and then writing in and saying things about like what they read about the episodes and stuff. I think that's fun. Yeah. No, 100%. And like, we love an engaged queen. Yes, we love an engaged queen to use the parlance of yeah. today. Um, this woman that uh, a witness that I was like with today before she testified her daughters in college. And she was like, you guys, my daughter just texted me. My ethics exam is going to slay this semester. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, send back like a fire emoji. <laughs> she was like, I will not be doing that. <laughs> is that what's acceptable though? Because I heard that the skull is no longer good. Oh shit. Okay. Good to know. Like they've moved on from the skull. All right. I'll read an article from Buzzfeed. That'll tell me what to do. I know by the time it hits Buzzfeed, it's too okay, late. So something work. on TikTok will have to tip us off. Yeah, but it can't be from our algorithm. Cause we're in the old hag oh, algorithm. <laughs> Okay, just me. <laughs> I'll give you up to date. I'll send you something. I get a lot of TikToks about pressure canning. That makes sense, Sarah Beth. <laughs> yeah, for the audience, Sarah Beth likes to ferment things and pickle things and make things. She's very, she's very. But good I have it. not fermented in many a mood. You're yearning to ferment because I don't have the counter space. <laughs> it can tell. Yeah, because I rent too. I don't want to uh, <laughs> explode a kombucha bottle in my apartment. It knows your deepest desire to pick up the hobby again. Yeah. All right. Well, this was fun. It was good to see you. Yeah. Nice to see you. All right. See you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.